Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio. Reporting from the basement of the Dairy Civic Center, this is CM Alexander with the news. Today's solar eclipse is driving all eyes upward. Looking directly at the eclipse may have adverse effects, so we recommend looking through an eclipse viewer, by which we mean physically viewing the eclipse through the eyes of another person who is also viewing the same eclipse. Let their eye damage be your lucky day. You're listening to Dairy Public Radio. This is Dairy Public Radio. Welcome back to Dairy Public Radio, a bi-weekly Stephen King Book Club podcast. I'm one of your hosts, C.M. Alexander, alongside Joshua Kahn. Hey, everybody. Benjamin Graham. Yo, constant readers. And today we are finishing our Patreon selection book by Michelle Devane, Dolores Claiborne, and Josh is leading our discussion. I sure am. So let's recap where we are in Dolores Claiborne. We know that Vera, the woman that Dolores takes care of, is dead. She is suspected of murder by by faking an accident because she faked, uh, allegedly faked her husband's deathful accident that we'll find out about later. <laughs> That's such a weird way it to really say it. Yeah, it was <laughs> almost words. <laughs> I'm so tired. <laughs> Faked her husband's death. I haven't slept in four days. Oh, oh no. This is going to be a good one. <laughs> and her husband deserves to die. And that's really, we've come to the point where Dolores is like, yeah, I'm going to kill this guy. And that's where we kind of left off, where feel she was like going to figure out how to do it. I feel like we're all on board for that. Yeah. Too. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so where we pick up is that Dolores has decided I'm using the well as a a pitfall trap. And she's smart enough to realize that people don't just die like they do on TV. So if he goes down the well, there's no guarantee he'll die right away. There's no Mm -hmm. guarantee people won't see it. All of these things. So she's biding her time, which I thought was smart. Mm. Smart and hard. That was the source of so much anxiety in this book is because we know so early on what he's capable of and just have to sit there and hope he doesn't do something else. Dolores says, uh, tells Andy that this is, uh, this period was the most helpless she's felt in her entire life. Mm -hmm. And you feel it so much with her just stuck Mm -hmm. and she can't figure out how she's going to get to the point where she needs to do what she needs to do. And here we have Vera stepping up again, giving the inspiration. Last time it was drunk men have accidents. <laughs> now it's her obsession with this eclipse. And she she rents the ferry so that she can have a bunch of people on there. The hotel is putting something on the roof. So all these people are coming to be a part of this eclipse. And Dolores realizes that's at least 700 faces looking up. Right. (laughs) Yeah, especially because uh, there are two specific spots on the island Mm -hmm. that she knows for a fact are going to be completely full. And if everyone on the island is going to be at this rooftop deck or on Vera's ferry, then uh, it's pretty unlikely anyone's going to hear screaming. (laughs) (laughs) I just, I like... The idea of 
dropping him down something when everyone's looking up. Yeah, it's uh, poetic. Yeah, it feels good. <laughs> In this little segment while they're talking, I wanted to talk to you guys about Vera and Dolores' relationship. Because I got, during this segment, it's the first time that I thought, oh, I think Dolores means a lot more to Vera than even Dolores realizes. <laughs> Uh, because Vera is super obsessed with this, the idea of this uh, eclipse, and Dolores thinks it's because her kids, Vera's kids, are going to come mm-hmm. and join this party, and so she's all excited about it. But when Vera first is telling Dolores about it, she stops and she says, Dolores, I want you to come mm-hmm. here and go to the eclipse with me, be with me on my boat. And there's she she has this thought where she says, and you won't have to like bend and mm-hmm. and scrape. And she kind of gets interrupted because that's the moment when Dolores has the idea of this is the time that I have to get him down the well. So she gets distracted and doesn't really finish the thought. But there's just this moment where it's like it's so real and like vulnerable sounding of Vera mm-hmm. where mm-hmm. she says. Listen, yeah, I want you to come, but not as my my housekeeper. Right. I want you to come as a friend. And then it gets it gets sidetracked. Yeah. But that's the first of the times that I'm like, I I really like these two's relationship you because know, it's so much more. It's it's really yeah. deep. I wonder because that happens like you said, it's it's so real because that happens in life so often. I wonder how many people have ignored me, but they've actually been thinking about killing their spouses. (laughs) (laughs) I owe everyone an apology. (laughs) What uh, just stuck out to me, I made a weird face at you when you pointed that out, Ben. And it's because, uh, and we'll get to this discussion, she knows her kids aren't coming. Yeah. So the fact that she is inviting Dolores, I feel like almost fills that void. I think mm-hmm. so that is adds another level of depth to that relationship that she's she's eventually going to have to break that news to Dolores but at least she'd have Dolores there. It's weird that she's renting this ferry for all of these people so you think this lady has a ton of friends and it's clear like later the oh, people came they partied at her house there were people there but it's like she, Vera has no friends except Dolores. Mm-hmm. And after this she knows she knows the date now of when she's going to kill her husband. And the stars also kind of align because Selena gets a job as a camp counselor. So she's going to be off island all summer. Uh, she calls her sister-in-law to say, hey, we've taken your kids for some time. Do you want to take the, the boys for some a few weeks in the summer? So she gets everyone out of the house but her and Joe. This was heartbreaking with Joe Jr., because mm-hmm. she had to convince him to leave. She had to finally pull him aside and say, just think of it as a vacation from your dad. And then he's like, yeah, all right, <laughs> I'm out. Yeah, I don't know how much we talked about his relationship with the other kids Not last much. episode. Not hardly at But all. it is a huge bummer in all three cases. Mm-hmm. Because, yeah, not only the fact that she has to convince uh, Joe Jr., but just little Pete's entire deal sucks yeah the the youngest just idolizes this piece of shit dad yeah and he's he's getting in trouble at school and using slurs and really mimicking his father's behavior and she's like oh my god he's 
he's going to hurt all of the children in various ways. Mm -hmm. And also sexually abuse one, he might, I mean, what's going to keep him from sexually abusing little Mm -hmm. Pete too. And then Joe Jr. is doing really, really good in school. And he got the first A, I think, on a report that his teacher had given in like 20 years. Yeah, the, the, the A plus that he yeah. got, or, uh, got for a paper on Roosevelt. That he, <laughs> he picked that because he knew it would piss his dad off. But Which is he, amazing. And he has an opportunity to get it published in a magazine and he's like in and listen to him like yeah it's such a touching moment when dolores is uh, when he says okay i'm gonna go burn it now uh, <laughs> so dad ne- never sees it dolores <laughs> like the hell you will yeah. and he just runs off smiling it's, yeah. a, it's a very sweet moment so in this time now that the kids are gone dolores uh helps turn joe into an alcoholic is that kind of the the implication we're getting here i don't know the I am still trying to figure out what his level, what the relationship is with him and alcohol, because she does keep, she continues to buy him booze, wanting him to be in kind of a constant state of inebriation. And so that when she gets him drunk the day of the eclipse, he he won't be suspicious. Yeah. It'll be normal behavior mm. for her. But I don't know. She really sets the groundwork <laughs> for all of this very early on. She plans a lot. Yeah. It was very impressed. And suffers for it, mostly in having to spend time with Joe. <laughs> God. Because uh, she says that, uh, what does she say? That she wanted to make sure that her presence around him wasn't strange. So she just had to keep him drunk and also be there as he was just an unpleasant human being. What yes. a nightmare. Just before the eclipse, she mentions that Vera goes on Kind of a mean streak because she f- then tells everybody she just found out her kids aren't coming. She fires a woman and Dolores stands up to her. What did you guys think about that that interaction when Dolores thinks she's straight up going to get fired? I really liked it. It describes a lot of Vera's personality because she, she fired this girl for breaking a plate. It dropped oh. and it already had a crack in it. So it wasn't even a very good plate, I guess. <laughs> And I don't know why I'm judging the plate, this bad plate. (laughs) And this girl's like, you know, doesn't want to be fired and is begging Vera. And she's just so smug about it. It's like she's enjoying. She fired. It was like the third person she fired Mm -hmm. within a few days. And so Dolores just gets tired of it. She's stressed out. She hasn't been sleeping well since she found out what happened with Selena. And she goes out into the garden where Vera is like violently trimming roses (laughs) (laughs) and confronts her and says, hey, that was real shit. And she's like, eh. And Dolores is like, well, I guess I'm just not a high riding bitch like you and goes inside. (laughs) So good. And she's like, fuck, I am (laughs) so fired right now. It is such a satisfying (laughs) moment. And you can feel. Uh, like see the look on her face of (laughs) in that moment where she says the one thing that she wanted to say and turns around immediately before she can be like (laughs) shit (laughs) what did I just do so Ben for you I imagine that as you were reading this part you just looked in the mirror and then you saw the look on her face (laughs) I I do have to admit I did not read uh, (laughs) as much of the second half out loud as I did the first half (laughs) sorry i just wanted to bring it back yeah (laughs) it was really touching though because she doesn't get fired vera comes in vera like calms down and has a cry session and stuff and then comes back and 
doesn't kind of shows a side of herself that Dolores hasn't seen. She's not like, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry. That was so terrible. She's just like, hey, please call her. Tell her I wanted to come back. Nothing more. Don't think, say anything else. And I think she does say I'm sorry. Or does she kind of talk around an apology? Yeah, she talks around an apology. Yeah. It's it's just, it is her way of showing that mutual respect mm-hmm. that they've built for each other without actually having to, you know, sully her ego by actually saying, hey, mm-hmm. I fucked up. <laughs> and we've had plenty of moments with Vera and Dolores where Dolores has said something, not to this degree of speaking her mind, but Vera's been kind of snotty, like one of the ways she has of being a bitch. Just sort of like, oh, I great. I'm glad I know what Dolores Claiborne thinks. <laughs> there was one moment in here too. I I think it was around this time. She calls either she calls her Dolores Claiborne. That's the day of the eclipse. That's the next oh, thing. Okay. Mm-hmm. So okay, now we're at the day of the eclipse, and Dolores goes and helps Vera with her brunch, still and everything. And as she's getting ready to leave so that everybody can go to the ferry and Dolores can go home, Vera calls her Dolores Claiborne for the first time, completely unprompted. Mm-hmm. And uh, that made me think. You know, it's, <laughs> well, it's the for, from the second, because it's the day before the eclipse, I believe, that Vera knows what's up. Yeah, she kind of... Because yeah. she uh, invited Dolores... And the second Dolores is like, no, I think I'm going to stay home with Joe. Vera's like, okay. And says, good luck. You know. She also, she gives her the eclipse gear that were the two extras she had left Mm -hmm. over for her, what we think are for her kids. And she also tells her, which I thought was cool, that sometimes you have to be a bitch. Yeah. Because that that definitely comes back for Dolores later. Yeah. So she goes home. Well, before she goes home, she stops by, buys a really nice bottle of liquor and brings it home to Joe, makes him a delicious sandwich, all the while thinking, I better make it good because it's the last stuff he's ever going to eat and drink. I would have (laughs) spit in it. (laughs) She's too nice. This lady who kills her husband. (laughs) It's just the whole time that she has to keep giving herself that pep talk of, I'm going to kill my husband Mm -hmm. today. Over and over to the point that it feels normal. That would be so, I would be so anxious the whole time. I can't even imagine being in that position. What did you guys think about when he thanks her with a kiss on the cheek? I. (laughs) This face you just made, Sam. So disgusted on her behalf. I was thinking about him. I thought he kissed her on the mouth because she was like, I've had, I've had better. It was her mouth. Yeah. Yeah. That, I mean, I appreciate (laughs) <laughs> what you tried to do there, but no, he kisses her on the mouth, this disgusting pedophile, and he has onion breath, so great. <clears throat> and she's thinking, I've had better. And then he's like, hey, maybe me and you can get up to the Dickens later. And he's impotent. So they <laughs> haven't. Oh, Mark is laughing at me. I was, huh? And I bet he has a tiny, ugly dick. Fuck yeah. Joe. <laughs> For sure. Yeah. I don't even know what I was saying. <laughs> No, I, it was um, it was probably meant to give more doubt or anxiety to that moment for Dolores. Like, mm-hmm. of course, the day I'm going to kill this douche, he's actually nice to me. But he is so 
what he has done is so egregious. I was just like, oh. <laughs> yeah, it's it, it's that moment like where even as small of a positive thing as it is, killing someone is killing someone is such an unimaginably unimaginably huge deal. Mm-hmm. It shows that she's just looking for anything to be like. I don't have to do this mm-hmm. huge thing. But of course, in the end, she's like, no, one kiss is not, not even close to paying for it all. So the eclipse begins. They, they have their viewers. Joe is kind of resistant to it, but as it starts happening, he gets really focused on it. And we get the first glimpse of the crossover in our book. Did you guys know that? So the crossover is to Gerald's game, to the Mm -hmm. main character, Jesse. These two books were supposed to be part of a series called In the Path of the Eclipse, which I had never heard about before. Cool. And I don't remember this standing out to me as anything particularly weird. You know, it's a King book. You sometimes have like those weird moments, which I Mm -hmm. always really like. But listening to it this time... It was so freaking bizarre because <laughs> yeah. she's she's doing the interrogation, right? And th- I talked about it before. There's some sounds of like the uh, recorder being moved closer to her, Andy opening the drawer. You don't get their other voices, but that's fine. This part and the next two times she references this, there's the sound that our listeners will recognize from our previous episode because I kind of mimicked it for our transition of a glass breaking and p- like electric piano music playing and the sound of this sort of like heavy machinery sound. There's just like this weird atmosphere and music in each of these parts. And it it was very, very strange. And it made the strangeness of this connection to this other character for these two books that did not ultimately become part of a series really stand out in a way that it did not just reading it. So I was curious, I guess... I'm the only one who listened to it. If it was jarring to you guys at all? I I, I don't know if jarring is quite right. It is. It definitely stands out because if you have no knowledge of Gerald's Game, which I pretty much don't, never read it, uh, haven't watched the movie. So the only way I knew that this that's what this was, was the foreword to this book is like, oh, yeah, this is this happens at the same time as a book called Gerald. <laughs> so so having no knowledge of Gerald's game it is it, it is like what what does this have to do with anything? Mm-hmm. But I do think it works because of how dreamlike and how it, it doesn't seem like it needs to have an exact meaning. Right. It, it is it is just this Strange quality. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I guess. Uh, see, I haven't read it, but I've seen the movie, mm-hmm. so I knew a little bit about Gerald's game. And I've I've known for a long time that this was a big crossover. A lot of people have pointed that out. So I knew it was coming. I did not know it would be so much. I expected it to be one of those two-sentence two references that we get in some books. But the fact that like the the passing reference to the town down south where no one lives, which that's not possible. That's that was Stephen King making a mistake. I checked the timeline and that doesn't add up. 
Because <laughs> he's talking about Salem's Lot, yeah. right? No, it, th- that this book happens two years, three years prior to Vampires in Salem's <laughs> oh, Lot. No. Oh, I, wow. I checked the math just in case because I'm a big fucking nerd. That's really cool. I didn't know that. <laughs> but yeah, uh, I expected it to be just so brief. And the fact that it comes back and it's so detailed I was very surprised by. And now I know why people were like, oh, are you doing Gerald's game next? And we were like, no. Yeah. And people were like, well, you should. See, no, I don't think we need to. That's the thing I will say is it made me want to read Gerald's game more <laughs> than I've ever wanted to uh, before. Gerald's game is great. And this is just for the listeners because you guys won't know what I'm talking about. I picked this up when I was in high school. So it's probably like 16 or 17. And My stepsister and I were trying a new thing. I didn't know what the book was about, just for the record, where I was going to like read out loud to her because she'd never (laughs) read Stephen King. Oh, no. Oh, boy. Yep. Yeah. To her credit, she was all in. We we (laughs) stuck stuck with it. All right. There you go. So Dolores finishes this vision and she gathers herself because now is the time to put the plan into action. And she tells Joe that she knows about the money. And I was immediately horrified for her. (laughs) (laughs) It's a bold plan. Uh, It is a bold plan that she does not go to protect herself in any way. She just goes for his jugular right out. And it's great because she says, hey, I know about the money. And he laughs at her and is like, see, I told you. You didn't know everything. And she tells a... A slight variation of the truth mm-hmm. about her actually getting the money away from him and that she's pulled it all out of the bank and she's hidden it. So now she's got one over on him and suddenly that stops being funny real fast. I am kind of surprised by the approach because of how violent he's been to her in the past. Mm-hmm. But I, gu- I guess she had to get him so angry that he would chase her, mm-hmm. not just chase her, but blindly chase yeah. her. Fill him with so much blind rage he couldn't Mm -hmm. see anything. She lets herself be attacked because she doesn't want him to show any defensive wounds, which is another part of her planning ahead for all this. And finally says, I'll tell you where the money is. I'll I'll lead you to it. Uh, Just don't hit me anymore. And he's like holding her by her dress and they start heading back out towards the well. And she notices that the she looks up and sees the eclipse is almost full and then breaks away and in a I shouldn't say in a cartoonish fashion <laughs> but it is kind of cartoonish the she runs and hops over her pitfall trap and he just steps right mm. onto that wood and doesn't fall all the way through it, it kind of is cartoonish because before she breaks away from him, she gets distracted by the eclipse. She's like, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, she, he has to scold her for staring at an eclipse with her bare right. eyes. It was terrifying, though, this mm. entire next sequence with with him not falling quite to his death was so was so wonderfully tense. Yeah. I don't know what I expected, but yeah. I didn't expect him to still be hanging on and like asking for help. And the moment he realizes Mm -hmm. that she is not going to help him and you see that dark switch go a shade darker than you thought Joe could go. And he tries to pull himself out 
the wood breaks and he falls and she thinks it's done. <laughs> no. But it lasts <laughs> for so much longer. There's a part in here that reminded me of The Outsider. Did you guys catch it? Mm-mm. No. I think it's later because he tries to come out again. Mm. And it's, I think the, it's either, I think maybe it's nighttime by this time, but she describes the way he looks and it looks like his eyes are on stocks. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. She, she describes, she's obsessed with his eyes because they, she described them like that. She keeps saying that they look like coals pressed into his mm. face. And the well opening looks like an eye until she pulls off the the wood. It looks like an eye that's kind of slit. yeah. She she sees eyes everywhere. the The eclipse looks like an eye. That's uh, a guilty the inner eye looking yeah. down on her. That's like a guilty conscious thing too. I think you know there are no witnesses to this. She hopes, mm. but <laughs> somebody might see. That's so when she hears him calling out, she first thinks she's hallucinating it, but then he keeps calling out. She goes to the garage, gets a flashlight, breaks away the boards and takes that peek at him and sees him. And I just I (laughs) I could not believe it that he was I I was expecting at least I was thinking leg bone protruding through the skin. Mm -hmm. I was thinking she would see some sort of big damage on him. But he looks at a glance mostly unharmed. Other than the fact that he is uh, profusely vomiting blood. Yeah, as you say, fortunately, the damage is internal, which is more life-threatening. She, I like, too, that she doesn't, like, he's pleading with her, and, you know, first he tries to be nice, and he's like, oh, my God, let me out of here. Like, the money's yours. I'll buy you that car you always wanted, making her all these promises. And then, of course, turns when that's not working and is saying horrible things to her. She never says anything to him. No. Not a single word. No, she says if if she started talking back, she would go crazy, which. Yeah. yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Now he tries to climb out. He falls back down because he's sure his ribs are completely broken. And uh, I think he doesn't even make it halfway up at this time. She goes home, throws up, as you Mm -hmm. would do, Mm -hmm. and goes to bed and wakes up and feels like I need to go check the well out again. What did you guys think about this next sequence? Is this where she wakes up like from a night nightmare? She yeah. feels like mm. there's a hand around her throat. Yeah. She can't really sleep well. I hated her going out there again <laughs> in the night. And I understood why she did it because she's she wakes up from this nightmare. She thought he was in the room with her. He's not. She thought she heard sounds in the kitchen. Nobody's home. There are no sounds. But she just cannot be satisfied that he's not... After she watched him not fall and then start to crawl back up, because she passed out too, like mm, right after yeah. that, she just sort of was like, "Ugh." <laughs> it's it's like the nightmare part of this book, and, sure. and it just keeps going because she she okay, so it's the middle of the night. She wakes up, she goes back out to check, and as she's approaching. And I, when this happened, I was like, "This is a hallucination." I thought so the, too. The, my first immediate thought was like. Oh, this isn't actually happening because a hand reaches out of the well and grabs mm-hmm. her ankle. And I'm like, no, it doesn't. <laughs> but she falls and she sees that Joe has scrambled up to almost the top of the well and is trying to drag her into the well. Ugh. And it's so fucking scary because she's like kicking at him and can't even reach him. And uh, just as he's about to pull her in, she pries a rock out of the ground and 
caves his skull in with it. Breaks uh, his porcelain teeth. The, the, she she describes the sound like a plate cracking and that it, it lives in her head for the rest of her life. It, it wakes her up in the middle of the night. <laughs> it, it's so terrible. Joe, of course, falls back into the well. The rock falls in after him. She, I think, also passes out mm-hmm. uh, and wakes up a time later. And this is the part where this, this section just keeps going mm. because for the next... 10, 15 pages, it is just her back and forth mm-hmm. from the house to the well, slowly convincing herself that Joe's dead and fixing the things that need to be fixed to cover this up. I can't imagine something like this happening during an eclipse, which kind of lends that kind of mystical, mysterious, haunting air to it. You would have to convince yourself, especially after he <laughs> right. tried to crawl out so many times. I, I totally believed why she was so worried and why she had to keep checking mm. on him to make sure he was dead, even though the last time, like, he was clearly dead at the bottom there. Mm. She just didn't, still didn't quite buy it. Mm. Uh, then she sets about setting the the story that everyone will follow. She calls looking for Joe, saying that he went off and he still hasn't come home. But it's not a big deal. He's been gone for some time before. And she just makes those little calls inquiring around to start the the rumors going. Because mm-hmm. she knows how this town works. It's just going to take one story and everyone will latch onto it sooner or later. I love that at some point she's like, it's taking them so long yeah. <laughs> to find him. I'm going to have to lead them to him or something. Because it's so, again, like she's... Them not finding him and this continuing to be unresolved and the search going on also makes her very anxious because it's like, no, you just want to be done with this part. Mm, Yeah. Yeah. Him being missing does no one any good. She's not a murderer. She acts like a person who is not a murderer who is you know, found themselves having to murder. <laughs> sounding, really bad, sounding really bad here. But no, she's actually, she, her thought process and responses and how she's feeling is what an innocent person would feel like. Like all this paranoia and oh my God, I just need this to be over and all this just anxiety. It's really cool. <laughs> we get another glimpse of how Vera knows what's going on because she calls into work sick or basically saying, I'm not, I can't come in. Nobody's found Joe. And she take there's a silence and she says, maybe he's had an accident. Let me know if there's anything I can do. And then <laughs> they get off the phone. Like, Vera, you sly bitch. <laughs> it takes a week for them to find Joe's body. And it's a search party that they pretty much lined up and were just co- going to comb the whole island mm-hmm. until they found him. So thankfully, she didn't have to find him. Yeah. And someone else was there to find him. And Selena came home. She ca- she left the boys, but she called her and said, hey, your dad's missing. Do you want to come home? And she left camp or whatever swimming thing they were at and came home. That This broke my heart because Selena comes home and the, she goes to her mom and says, did you have anything to do with this? And Dolores has to just hope that she can say no and she'll believe it. This only bothered me because she claims to have been afraid of Joe. And it's like, I didn't like it because she kind of used Selena's fear of him against her too. Mm. And I get why she did it. She's like, yeah, I, I, you know, the only thing that happened was he beat me up and then he, 
you know, went off drunk and I, I was just scared. I was just trying not to get hurt. You know what that's like, which, which yeah. is problematic because she's using that against her. And I get why she's doing it because she just needs her to believe that it had nothing to do with her. So she doesn't feel guilty. But at the same time, she was the lady who busted him upside the head with the milk pitcher and was telling Selena, do not worry, he will never touch you again. Mm -hmm. And so it seemed it didn't match to me. And I think that that's probably why Selena doesn't believe her. So we get a, a small glimpse that the two of them have become estranged ever since. She Selena's now in her 40s. She's rail thin, never married. Which is fine. Which is fine. <laughs> she just, the, the all of yeah. the contact and feels an forced. And she's an alcoholic. But I want to read this. We, we talked last episode. There are so many fucking amazing lines in this book. And I wanted to read this. It was mostly for Selena that I led him to his death. And it, all it cost me to protect her from him was the deepest part of her love for me. Oh. Fucking brutal. Yeah, heartbreaking. And she talks around there later, too, about how Selena was, she was trying to protect her, but she was the greatest victim. She's yeah. the one who suffered his death the most. So Dolores eventually gets the call. She knew eventually was going to be coming. The medical examiner brings her to, calls her into the constable's office for a sit-down chat. What did you guys think of this? What is it, Dr. McAuliffe? My biggest problem was the book trying to phonetically spell out a Scottish accent. <laughs> that was ridiculous. Uh, I, I found very, very annoying. <laughs> I hated that too. I missed that. Uh, <laughs> I, I it made me doubt that I had ever heard a Scottish accent <laughs> because I do not know how you pronounce blood bluet. Yeah, I'm like no, that can't be the phonetic way to say to say blood in Scottish, right? Any of our Scottish listeners, please uh, let us know. I did love that she. <laughs> Every it's fun listening to it because he'll say something and then she'll count to three and she'll go, Aya. Mm -hmm. <laughs> she's just doesn't seem like a distraught widow, which she's not, and that's fine. But she is wisely not giving up any information because she points out right away, like, okay, this guy is good at his job. He knows what he's doing. And if I let him, he will get me to talk mm -hmm. and he'll he'll give that silence and let it stretch as long as he needs until I talk. Fortunately, the two of them aren't the only one in that interrogation. Always get your lawyer. I'm just saying, if, if cops ever bring you anywhere, ask for your lawyer. That's your public <laughs> message from Derek Public Radio. <laughs> or a well-meaning, bumbling <laughs> or police well, yeah. chief. <laughs> Uh, uh, also, we should note we are not lawyers. We cannot we legally not. <laughs> give legal advice. So don't listen to us. Yeah, he, yeah. Uh, McAuliffe's trying to lure her into saying something. He says that he explains to her the damage, the the ribs, the fact that medically we know he screamed for a while because of the way his ribs punctured into his lungs. He suffered. And he she suffered. feels bad for yes. that. And I'm like, why? Honestly. Good. <laughs> well, good for her that he suffered because it makes her emotional. And before this is all over, she sheds a tear. She sheds a single tear, One which single is tear. too much. It's more than Joe deserves. <laughs> Fuck that guy. <laughs> the, I just love the moment that he's 
pressing her for the the caved in skull. They found the rock. Mm-hmm. They they know his skull was caved in, and that's how he died. And he's trying to put the pressure on. And the two of them stay silent for so long <laughs> that the constable gets uncomfortable. And he's like, well, I thought we both agreed that could have happened. He could have pulled it out and it fall. It fell on his head when he landed. The guy's like, God damn it. All I could think of was this guy as being played by Daniel Craig's Benoit Blanc from Knives Out. Oh, shit. Yes. And so <laughs> I... I I had the idea of like, I understand very, it's like the very end of this book, they introduce this very competent Mm -hmm. detective character from a different book. (laughs) (laughs) And Dolores is not, not in control for even a second (laughs) there. It's a great segment, but I felt no tension at all because it just (laughs) felt so clear that Dolores was just like, I- I'm too fucking uh, old timey wise for this bullshit. Well, there and there's no tension because she's telling this well, thing yeah. that happened in the past. So we know she got away with it. But I yeah, I didn't think about that at the time. It's just like, I guess it was it was cool to see her keep her composure with this, mm-hmm. you know, like guy from away who's sort of a big shot. I like that she kept her composure by channeling Vera. Yes. That she was... heard Vera by the well, too. Vera's yeah. voice has been with her, sort of described as like in her head, but also outside of her. Yeah. Like she could have, if she feels like if she would have looked to her left, she would have seen yeah. Vera. The, the moment where in, in telling the scene of her in, at the well with Joe, where she so emphatically says, I heard Vera's voice. Mm-hmm. No, it was not in my head. Mm-hmm. I, I'm not joking. I am very serious. She would, I heard her voice out loud. If your tape recorder had been there recording, you could have played the voice back on tape. I just thought that was really it's cool. so fucking and cool. I want to believe, and I'm just going to do it, somewhere <laughs> at that same time, Vera was on her boat or whatever, and she was saying those words. I just, I'm going to buy it. <laughs> I I also liked, she she draws on Vera for strength when she's feeling antsy. She's Because this guy is good. That's where probably the most tense thing comes in. She admits she was about to say something, even if it was just like, hey, didn't your mom ever tell you not to stare? And she thinks, what would Vera do? She she wouldn't give in. She'd look at this guy like, you piece of shit. You don't have anything on me. <laughs> and then she calms back down. It's like, yes. <laughs> the uh, the single tear and the not saying anything ended up working in her favor altogether because he was it was ruled death by misadventure, which is not a thing that I knew could be ruled. And that sounds awesome. I was going to say. That's the dream. uh, Yeah. Yeah, That's how I want to go out. Right. Yeah. But she points out that the, it's not just the legal verdict she has to worry about. It's the town's verdict. Because if they don't want her here, they can make that happen Mm -hmm. because it's such a close community. But the fact that she shed that tear and the constable uh, doesn't want to keep his mouth shut. Everybody found out about that story. Or his stomach. They had a standoff again towards the end, and it was really stretching out, and then his stomach growled. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, forgot about that. <laughs> and it that. broke the tension, and, then, and the, the inspector was like, ah, fuck. All right. <laughs> so now we get to 
the whole reason we're here, the day in question, the reason that she is in the interrogation room, the day Vera died. Man. <sighs> now, when you, uh, with the way the story is told all over the place, <laughs> what were your thoughts after how intense the story of Joe is? What were you expecting going into finding out what happened the day Vera died? I forgot Vera was dead. And that's why she was there. I, I, I know that's stupid because it's the whole book is an interrogation. And you're I, listening to it. You can't forget uh, that. But it was like I was surprised all over. I was like, Vera's dead? Uh-huh. No. I, I didn't have any preconceptions of of what this what was going to happen. But the speed with which it happens Mm -hmm. was still surprising because they don't waste any time. She doesn't waste any time getting to to the point of it. She is hanging sheets uh, with the six pins and not four. And Vera is up in her window uh, watching uh, watching like she likes to. In her wheelchair. In her wheelchair. She's been put where she can watch. Uh, Her brakes have been put on and suddenly she starts screaming about the dust bunnies and when Dolores looks up she's not in the window anymore and she sprints after her and when she finds her Vera is standing which is surprising because she has Mm -hmm. not walked in what seemed like years and and it was never clear like she wasn't it made it seem like she was in a wheelchair because of her health, not because mm. she was paralyzed or anything. That's what I assume. Yeah. But but she's she is walking mm-hmm. and she's slowly backing towards the grand staircase. And before Dolores can even get close to reaching her, mm-hmm. like she just barely misses reaching after her as she takes the first step off the stairway. And she, there are a lot of parallels to the night she murdered Joe or I mean justice was served in her like her slip rips like Mm -hmm. it had that night Mm -hmm. and as all these things it's happening very quickly but as each thing happens she thinks about Joe and it gives Vera's accident this really this really spooky quality that it wouldn't have had otherwise like this sort of mystical component that really goes well with the eclipse part and the you know visions and voices and everything Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's true. If we would have heard this story before the story of Joe, it would not have had any of those eerie qualities. And I feel like, like Ben, you said, this is so much faster than the telling of Joe's story that it really benefits from from how drawn out Joe's story is because all those moments hit one after another nice and sharp. And um, Vera's not dead as uh, she gets down the stairs, which I 100% thought that was it. I thought that she was dead from the the fall, but no, she goes down there. There's this one very creepy moment where she Dolores turns back and looks at the wheelchair and she 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 sees Joe's face under the uh, wheelchair mm-hmm. in the dust. That was a bit horrifying. Yeah. <laughs> and she rushes down the stairs to Vera's side and Vera is as sharp as mm-hmm. she has been in years in this brief moment she's having some very strong lucidity right now. She wants Dolores to finish it so that she doesn't have to suffer. She's like, I I was willing to live out my life, but this is a little too much. She's like, her legs are folded up under her Mm -hmm. grotesquely. She is 
very, very much injured. And the quality of her life, she believes, would be just nothing if if they tried to save her. I didn't realize this was happening because I couldn't remember this component of the book, but she, Dolores, you know, she doesn't want to do it, but she's going to do it. And Vera makes a comment about being tired of seeing that car being pulled from the quarry and seeing the the water, you know, rushing out of the open windows. Yeah. Did... I, I didn't catch it. I assumed it was something about her guilt over killing her husband. That's what I thought, too, at first. Yeah. Okay. yeah. I was very and I was very confused. I thought she was kind of slipping again because we he know hit a tree. he hit a yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't even think about it. I was just like, oh, yeah, car crash. Her <laughs> husband's dead. It did not occur to mm-hmm. me yeah. uh, as anything out of the ordinary. What really struck me was the quickness and unquestioningness with which Dolores grabs a big marble rolling pin. I have one of those. They could do the job. Probably, I wouldn't know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope when you edit that, extend that pause. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I I don't know. I I think I bought it because of the story she told about their relationship and seeing Vera like kind of in her prime and then throughout her life as Dolores wasn't just the housekeeper. She became the caretaker and then she became the companion as well. I I guess I bought that she recognized what she was doing for her instantly. It was still yeah. very disturbing yeah. though. Oh, and yeah, now- and I also wanted to ask at what point, because it was at this point, that I started getting the picture of what was going about to happen. Why she was in the interrogation room? Yes. Oh, yeah, because she's <laughs> setting up a crime scene yes. on, on an the, accident. The, the fact that the first thing <laughs> that she has done, the, this uh, person that is under her care has taken a, honestly, well, as we'll find out in a second, a fatal fall. Yeah. And the first thing she does is go and grab a murder weapon. And bash her head in is what she... Uh, like, how do you explain that? Like, well, she fell and, and I, I had was, to bash her head yeah. in. God. It, it just reminded me, oh, this might be one of our Patreon-only episodes in which we discuss the short story in the break... Uh, in the breakdown? Is in, the that rundown. in the rundown. In the rundown by Joe Hill. Mm. Go to our Patreon. <laughs> yes. Just gave me shades of that yeah, story, you know? Yeah. I think so. Part of what I was coming around to was that one of the reasons Dolores didn't hesitate is they now over the these all these years, they know they share that very specific burden of having murdered their husbands mm. and the nightmares that accompany it. Mm. And so that is a big motivator in her granting that piece. And I think she would have taken that rolling pin, killed Vera mm. and gone to jail. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think she would have tried to cover it up as an accident. I think she would have uh, like she at this point in her life, it does not. She doesn't seem like she has anything to, to lose, lose that she yeah. hasn't already lost. And yeah. I feel like she'd be willing to take that punishment to set Vera free and pay for the crimes she did commit. Yeah, she is operating from a place of guilt still. Like mm-hmm. e- even though dude deserved it, 
Nobody would convict her. <laughs> she yeah, did, did well, go to jury I mean, trial. obviously. They'd be, uh, like, they'd be like, time <laughs> served. You're good. You're, Get out of here. Uh, yeah, obviously with the way the book Sam ends. Sam is not a lawyer. Uh, <laughs> I think the point of the book to a certain degree is regardless of how justified it is, violence always comes with uh, consequences that you have to decide for yourself whether it is worth living with. So instead of uh, doing any of this, she grabs the rolling pin, comes back, Vera has died in that meantime, and she just sits on the stairs. She sets the rolling pin down and she just sits with Vera and kind of spaces out until the mailman shows up. Fuck this guy. <laughs> Sorry. You don't just barge in and start looking around suspiciously at shit. Nobody invited him. <laughs> Point of order, a door opens and you see an old woman dead on stairs. You just, uh, you have, and everybody knows she murdered her husband. Like, that is the the consensus of where we're at now. And she even says he, the look on his face when he storms in, he uh, interposes himself between the two of them. And the look on his face is, you won't get away with it again. You are correct. I'm still pissed about it. <laughs> uh, but the first thing she does is he says something about the rolling pin and she lies <laughs> and says, I was making bread when I heard it. I love this discussion she has during the interrogation about the lie. She's like, mm. when you're innocent, you don't have time to concoct this story. So you look, she's like, I look more guilty because I was just saying anything that came to my head. I didn't have that time to prep and make sure that I'd covered all my bases, which is such a weird way to argue like how someone innocent might look guilty. Mm -hmm. So the, they call the police, the body is taken away. Uh, Oh, we should mention the, the reason he knew something was wrong is that her slip, uh, that tour is at the top of the stairs when she said she was just in the kitchen. Okay. So this did, not make a whole lot of sense to me. Yeah. So when Vera started screaming, Dolores was in the side yard, right? Mm-hmm. But when she runs up, she's at the top of the stairs. She runs up the back staircase yeah. from like the, the uh, servants' stairs from the kitchen. Uh, up. Okay. Yeah, that makes more sense. We find out this time the the jury of the town has decided she's guilty. There's mm-hmm. a note on her door saying you won't get away with this again. People are harassing her with phone calls. Uh, a truck drives by and they're firing shotguns in the air because yeah. bullets I, never come down. I don't think that's related, though. That just <laughs> I did not take that. I just took that as that's something the people of the <laughs> island do. I don't think so. I, I, no, gr- I grew up in the country and that's not entirely wrong. Right? This yeah. isn't the country Because they're just like driving around. It, the, the way it seemed they were just like out joyriding because they don't necessarily bother her until she yells out at them like, hey, fuck nuts. Cut it out. And they're like, hey. G- get off our island you know, I, as an afterthought. I disagree with you, but I so enjoy the idea of her yelling at people who aren't harassing her that I'm on board now. Yeah, uh, she and she has to unplug her phone so mm-hmm. she can go to sleep. Next morning, she plugs her phone in. First call she gets is from the, the man that uh, is her financial uh, Vera's, planner. Yeah, Vera's yeah, financial. Uh, Alan Greenberg. Mm-hmm. Uh, who she admits uh, she signed papers for her. <laughs> she thinks she that's why she's in trouble. Yeah, she's like, oh, fuck, I'm going to be in trouble for this, too. No, she finds out she is the sole beneficiary to the sum of $30 million. 
<laughs> Fucking A, man. Mm-hmm. It's so funny because she, like, when he says she's left you, you're the sole beneficiary. Immediately she knows how much trouble that yes. means she's in. <laughs> because the, it, when you, the, the town is convinced that you murdered someone, that then leaves you a large sum of money. It's just going to condemn her even further. But then in her head, she's like, oh my God, I, the more money she leaves me, the worse it's going to be. So if she leaves me <laughs> a couple hundred thousand dollars, I'm fucked. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, and with the gift to charity, maybe she'll get like 50 grand. Yeah. But she's super fucked. It's 30 million. Who cares? Leave. The, Buy your own island. The amount of times <laughs> she has to make him repeat it, fucking killed me she is asking him you know what what about her family what about all all of this and this is when he drops the bomb this happens so slowly though you don't understand like it it unfolds very slowly i for a minute and i was like oh damn this is nuts i thought i was like oh she was talking about the car and seeing something come out of the windows i thought that she set up the accident of her husband and the kids were also in the car. Like she didn't know they were going to be in the car, that's and they all three she took, died. She took that's his what kids I to thought. see his mistress. No, well, no, <laughs> I mean that's when he died. No, but I think she thought. I was thinking she thought that he was on his way to her from oh, the mistress, but for some reason he had the kid. Gotcha. Like he wasn't supposed to, and had him, and that's where all of her guilt came from. But people saw that because her kids died as a consequence. But mm. people saw the kids after that. I had to that's remember. Was, like, yeah, yeah, I was like. <laughs> No, dang it, that doesn't make sense. But no, I, I had the same yeah, okay, the good. same thought process <laughs> of being like, like wait, whoa, she killed her kid. Wait, no, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> See, I thought that the argument that was the last time anybody saw them together was about a car. That's all people heard. I thought her kids figured it out yeah. and essentially cut her off entirely. And that's why like, she was the beneficiary. But finding out that the argument about a car was about him buying this car and yeah her giving in to getting her son this speedy car when he was just a teenager is from her guilt over taking their dad away her and both of her children were in the car they died almost exactly a year to the date Mm -hmm. of their father's accident because her her daughter wanted she's like well don't i get a car she's like you're 14 not yet and so she was driving. They were joyriding and drinking and stuff. And she took a corner too fast. And yeah. Yeah. So for the past it. 30 years, Vera has been just as long. Uh, I liked the idea that as long as someone doesn't know, she can pretend they're alive. And that was what she was doing with Dolores was that she was keeping them alive. She was making up stories of what they're up to now that, you know, this one's married. This one's career is this. Yeah, she, she was Kaiser Soze yeah. pretty hard. She really did Kaiser like, Soze it pretty hard. Her, her daughter ran a, a, a fashion label named after the city that she was born in. Yeah. And one of them, the, the boy was in a barbershop quartet, but it was just a cork board. <laughs> Like they had, they were married. They'd gotten married. Mm-hmm. Her daughter had gotten divorced. Yeah, she had elaborate. Yeah, she, and she. It makes sense though why she moved to the island to live permanently because yeah, to, her kids weren't. She didn't have to face that reality there. Mm-hmm. Now let's talk about. Uh, see, it sounds like you have a problem with this, <laughs> and I really <laughs> like this. The because this whole book has been just Dolores talking, and in order to get the epilogue. 
it is done in the style of a scrapbook. That's fine. I just don't understand why this scrapbooker would be talking about all this town news. It's relevant to the town people. And then is like, also, Dolores's daughter's finally going to come visit her. <laughs> you know, it was, no, I, I didn't take it as a scrapbook. I thought it was supposed to be like the, the blind items in the town newspaper. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, the, the Why chapter's would that just. Make the town newspaper. The chapter's just called Because it's a real scrapbook. small town. Yeah. I don't buy it. It's, well, like the, the article, <laughs> it sounds like uh, the person's like one of those busybody, it's like a busybody newsletter kind of a thing. Sure. I just didn't buy it. Uh, I can't believe that's the, the, the <laughs> format is the problem that we have a problem with and not the fact that Dolores gives away $30 that's million. That's the other yes. thing I hated. I And I only hated it because I don't hate that she gave away the money. It, mm-hmm. I get why that would kind of fit with her character. I don't disagree with it. She has kids. She has two kids mm-hmm. who maybe could use some, like give it give away most of it, but maybe keep like set up a fucking trust fund for your kids <laughs> and yeah, their right? kids. But and I mean, I I could be just reading into this because uh, well, let's just say what the scrapbooks like the articles that are listed. We find out that. Dolores was found innocent, uh, that she had nothing to do with the death. The $30 million was anonymously donated to this orphanage. You think she gave that away so Selena would trust her again? No. Oh, okay. Uh, and that her kids are coming back this year for Christmas is what the, the this thing that we've been talking about for a really oh, sorry, long time yeah. is. Right. It says that just like the majority house leader and the author are coming to spend Christmas with their mom. I thought... Because uh, also, uh, Little Pete died mm-hmm. in Saigon. Yeah. I thought that you were going to argue that her giving away... Like, if she had kept the money and Selena saw that her mom profited from this lady's death because of the mistrust that she already had for her mom and mm. the rift it caused in their relationship, that the only way to repair that was to not in any way look guilty for something else, even if she was ruled innocent because she was ruled innocent before. I can see that. Um, I'm more, I'm more got out of it that the her giving away all of the money and losing the person that her that both of them know that has been their mom's sole company and sole companion since this rift started. Their mom is now entirely alone, and that that is what brings them in. I don't think. I, I think that the getting rid of the money isn't about proving innocence. It is just, um, I don't know. It's, it's, I think it's more about their mom being alone and um, not having any, there's been no gain. It's not about giving it away. It's that she has not gained. She's only lost. And I don't think that's to do with trust exactly, but you don't think if she had kept the money that her like if she kept the money, would her daughter be coming home for Christmas? That's what I, that's what I was trying to figure out. And I didn't, sure. Think that at the time, just as we were talking, is like, oh, I wonder because I'm trying to figure out why she didn't keep some of it to. I like I said, like the very minimum. If you didn't want any of that money, you might still set up a trust for your kids. <laughs> like you would want your kids to be taken care. They of. also, mm. but they also don't need it. They're both very successful. Thirty million dollars, Josh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but she's also not fancy. Like she's not gonna 
turn to her. Like, uh, what about Dolores would ever give you the idea that she would want her kids to take a handout of millions of dollars and live their lives? She's a she's, human person. <laughs> no, she's. she's like, I know. Yeah. I just it hurt. My, <laughs> oh, if I my found every out fiber my mom my gave being? away thirty million dollars, yeah. I'd be furious. But I am unsuccessful and poor. <laughs> <laughs> this fictional character losing thirty million dollars <laughs> caused me pain. <laughs> All right, let's uh, let's go around and, and rate this one. Who wants to start? I guess I'll go first. You're both looking at me. <laughs> this is a it's a very good book. I enjoyed it thoroughly. It, it is moving in parts and really just kept my attention. That said, I can't see in a year looking back at this book and remembering a whole lot of it it's just it's a very for such having such heavy themes and heavy like goings on it's kind of light on plot that said just a real entertaining read really well written I'll give it a four out of five blue chambray shirts that was interesting when you were saying that I was thinking yeah it is kind of like a short story yeah even though it's a full length book I will never be able to read this again, <laughs> unfortunately, but that doesn't diminish how much I enjoyed it. And it is not the book's fault, <laughs> what it does to my brain. So I'm going to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. I loved so many of the wonderful lines in this book. Like very rarely do I quote a lot lines of of dialogue and stuff from from the book. So when I when I do, you know that I'm really into it. This is uh, another example to me of things like Pet Cemetery that mm-hmm. it's the horror isn't the the monster. It's like the horrors are real and getting back to after spending our time with it for so long, getting back to King writing real horror mm. felt really great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I really loved it. I'm going to give it five out of five blue chambray shirts. That is it for this episode of Dairy Public Radio. Join us next time where we will be watching the movie for Joshua Khan and Benjamin Graham. I'm CM Alexander reminding you, Sometimes you have to be a high-riding bitch to survive. Sometimes being a bitch is all a woman has to hold on to. Hey everyone, CM Alexander here. Thank you for listening to Dolores Claiborne Part 2. We hope you enjoyed it. Thanks again to our Patreon supporter, Michelle, for her pick. This episode is sponsored by Manscaped. If you're not familiar with Manscaped, it's the complete package for your package. And if you prefer to have a jungle situation instead, we're not judging. And you can still find some really cool things at manscaped.com that you're going to enjoy. Some of those things include a really awesome shed travel bag, anti-chafing boxer briefs, super soft t-shirts, chapstick, shower gel, and shampoo, just to name a few. And you can use the code DAIRY to get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com. That's 20% off with free shipping at manscaped.com using the code DAIRY. New year, new pubes, or no pubes. That's up to you. That's all for now, listeners. Goodbye.